Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris here, as always, with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds like something you want to listen to regularly, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, Apple, Spotify, and uh, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Because if you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter. Zach is at Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports.com. For everything that Zach and I write. And uh, we can go ahead and kick it off. Zach, we have a co-host for the show today this would be my cat that you can see if if you are watching on our new feature uh the live well it's not a live video but the recorded video on youtube um you can see the cat laying on the back of my chair sure that's gonna be great if he comes down here and starts messing with stuff as he loves to do but we'll deal with that if and when it comes um well zach do you ever just like reevaluate your life sometimes and go, why do I do the things that I do with the, my life, with the decisions I've made? What was I thinking? Why have I done? Why did I do this to myself? I didn't, it didn't have to be this way because I know, or I say that because. When I have a week like I just had with Tennessee sports, you start thinking, why did, why did I do? I could have I could have been a carpenter and just spent my time crafting beautiful wooden pieces of art. And I never would have had to feel this pain and anguish. <laughs> I'm being incredibly overly dramatic. It was a bit of a rough week, Zach, uh, in Tennessee sports. We'll talk about it here. But uh, how are you holding up, sir? Yeah, when uh, it's funny that I texted you earlier this week about having some some guests on the show, and we were talking about that. So I'm glad to see that that your cat is yeah. the first <laughs> the first guest. Yeah, yeah. And there looks listen, great. Based on some of the tweets I've seen from from people and some of their sports takes, Tennessee takes, your cat probably has much better takes. I'm gonna. I feel pretty confident. <laughs> He probably does. <laughs> um, we'll get his take a little bit later later in the show, see what he thinks. Um, 
But this week, so we we came off last week and had a discussion where we were a little hopeful. Like we were hopeful specifically about basketball. I, I had started off our discussion about basketball talking about the Lady Balls having an amazing season. They were going into last week 18 and 1. They had a, a game, a, essentially what was a snoozer game uh, against Auburn. Uh, Auburn was 0 and 7 in the SEC, had a losing record, still has a losing record uh, to this day. And the Lady Balls go to Auburn and they lose. Their second game of the season. So their two losses are to number two Stanford and Dumpster Fire Auburn. Now, I had some people, I have some Auburn fans that like follow me and they were tweeting at me. Yeah, and I basically said, I tweeted something to the effect of the Lady Vols are about to go from the best start to a season since 2007, which it is. It is. It didn't take that away, but it was the best start since 2007, which if you don't remember, that was a year that the Lady Balls won a national championship. Um, they were going to go from the best start since 2007 to one of the worst losses in school history. Maybe a little overdramatic. I'm not totally sure that's the case. Uh, if you listened to us last week, I had uh, season tickets for the Lady Balls for most of my childhood and watched a huge bulk of their games, probably more than a lot of people. Um, and it was one of the worst losses I've ever watched. It was terrible. Absolute nightmare. Um, they could not figure it out in that fourth quarter after making a great comeback in the third quarter. Um, and so that was a we that was an omen. We should have known at that point. And then Tennessee goes to Texas. The men's basketball team goes to Texas. Austin unrolls the red carpet or the burnt orange carpet, I guess, for Rick Barnes. Just so I did. It was a little too much. Was it a little too much? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was I, <laughs> surreal. They fired the guy, right? He ran him out of town. <laughs> but at the same time, isn't it kind of like Tennessee and Philip Fomer? I mean, yeah, that's it's, true. It's very. Uh, although Fomer, I mean, Philip Fomer won a national championship. He never coached anywhere else again. Even though there, you know, when he first got let go there i mean he was he wasn't even 60 yet i don't believe when he i mean yeah. he's still relatively young i mean compared to coaches now he could have easily went to coach somewhere else and i don't i can't remember exactly how all that went down it's been what, 14 years ago i can't remember how strong the rumors were I, I feel like there were a few rumors about him maybe going somewhere but since he never coached again i feel it's a little different but at the same time you still fired the guy but with Barnes, I mean, there was all this complaining when he was the head coach of Texas. Much, many of the same complaints you hear now that he's the head coach of Tennessee. The pretty much the same stuff. And uh, yeah, they they really uh, did it up. I mean, their social media. They had T-shirts made up. Um, it was. They had him do an interview yes. with Chris Beard. It was so awkward because yeah, I guess they were in like some sort of restaurant. Yeah, with, uh, with like a little, and it, you hear the clanging of glasses in the background and people talking, and it was the mic uh, wasn't really; it was kind of scratchy. It wasn't great quality. It wasn't really well done production in any sense. I, I think it's something that they do. I think that's like his thing at Texas, like he does sometimes with athletes and players and stuff. But yeah, it I, seems I very the, amateurish. The, 
the tweet said something like it's it's another another fireside chat so i assume yeah. that they it is like a regular thing but they kind of set it up like it it would have made sense to me if it was him and tj ford sitting down i'm like yeah. okay he's a guy it's a a really prominent player that played for Rick back then, a guy who has in the past given Rick tons of credit as a player that they've had an ongoing relationship with. I'd be like, that that would be cool. And he's and TJ Ford, beloved in the history of, I believe he was on the Final Four team with Rick and and all of that. Like that would have made sense to me, but like I don't think Chris Beard was never on like even a staff <laughs> with with Rick. And maybe they are good friends. I don't know. Maybe they are friends, uh, but it's yeah, it was just they just laid it on so thick. Like I was like, "What are you? Are you, do you feel guilty? Like even, what? I e- get it, but even the like Texas fans on Twitter were very much like talking about how much Rick meant to them. It seemed like overwhelmingly positive, and maybe it's because they kind of you know they hired Shocker Smart right after when they fired Rick Barnes. Is that right? Yes. And that didn't really work out. So they have, I believe they have yet to win an NCAA tournament game since Rick Barnes left. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. And and that's, again, it's very similar to Philip Fomer. You know, they've, you fire Fomer and the program hasn't really had success. So it looks, you know, you fire Fomer and you move on into an era where you're winning championships. And that's probably viewed a little different. Same thing with, with Barnes. So maybe that has something to do with it, but. I thought it was very strange, very just, I don't know. It, it, it felt awkward the whole time. Just because I remember it, it was not that long ago. I mean, yeah, 2015, 15, yeah. it feels like yesterday, really, that all that was going down. Um, and I, like, I remember vividly how done they were with Rick Barnes. I mean, that was they were done. It just felt a little forced. That that was all, I, I guess. Hey, it's, it's the, great. The t-shirt. They, the t-shirts were what sent me kind of over the edge. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'd get, I'd get a video tribute, like a little video like, tribute. Come on. That's fun. <laughs> see video tributes all the time. Like they're real popular in baseball because baseball players move teams all the time or they get traded at the deadline and stuff. It's kind of like a thing. Like, was he popular enough to get a tribute video when he comes back? Like that's kind of yeah, a, a funny little baseball thing there. So I, I could see that with Barnes, but yeah, the rest of it. Yes, I I, I would say a, a tribute video I would have expected. Honestly, he he deserves that. Yeah, winningest coach in the history of Texas basketball. Um, but beyond all, it was all of the other stuff. I was like, okay, guys, this is a little much. Can we <laughs> ratchet it back look, a little bit? He does know, coach in Tennessee. Let's. Yeah, <laughs> look, we know we know Rick Barnes has a little bit of an ego just based on the way the UCLA stuff kind of went down. So. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta wonder. Like he, he had to have been enjoying that, you know. Yeah, I felt like. How could you not? I, but at, at the same time, we're being a little cynical about all that. Let, let's also acknowledge this. This was cool this week. Um, Dick Vitale during that game, uh, who is fighting cancer at at the moment. Uh, good, good thoughts to him. Um, he sent out some tweets about what Rick Barnes had been texting him every day. And he said that every morning, Rick Barnes sends him a personal prayer by text, uh, praying for him to be to be healed of cancer and, and recover and things like that. And so 
we can be as cynical as cynical as we want to about all this Texas stuff. At, at the at the end of the day, it's stuff like this where you go, man. I th- this is this is why the whole thing with the way this stuff is going with Barnes right now, I it it sucks because I just I want the guy to succeed because he does stuff like this and I go, what a this is awesome. That's so awesome. Did he, you know, one of the the all time great announcers? And you think whatever I know, there are people that don't like Dick Vitale. Whatever. It's, he's look, he's good for college basketball. One of the all time greats. He he's is a great. I mean, I grew up listening to him when he was doing a game. You know, it was it was a big game. Kentucky, Duke. You know those those crazy environments. He was the voice of that, and he got you just as excited as the crowd did. So yeah, he. He can be a bit extreme older age. There, there are definitely moments where I'm I'm not a big fan of him these days, but I grew up with him. I respect what he's given to college basketball. You're not going to find somebody that loves college basketball more than that guy. And it, it's definitely a great gesture on Barnes' part. I think we, we have to mention this just because it was going around on social media about the way Vitell texted that was very strange. The, the screenshots made it look like he typed out the message. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I have, look, I have no clue. Look, did Vitell is He's old. He's old. Yeah, I, I don't know see. what he was going there for, but Rick Barnes discussed today that he was asked about it. He sent him the message. It was just a weird way that Vitell <laughs> had to show everybody. So here's, just, here's I feel what like I somebody think. would say something if we didn't mention that. What I think happened there by is old he's 80 i think and he copied and pasted rick's text into the box yeah for whatever in his in his you know old person logic and using an iphone (laughs) he copied and pasted it into the text box and then screenshot it that however it worked i do not know rick says he does it dick says he does it so yeah surely i don't think that they're lying about no. that i mean it, it but was, it was kind funny of humorous yeah. at first but yeah yeah I, I don't think did vital just out of nowhere would yeah make that up but, <laughs> throw that on, anyway. on rick barnes <laughs> but it, it's funny though this conversation i'm talking about barnes and just just how bad you really wanting to have success at tennessee so bad <sighs> earlier this week for whatever i think i was doing it just to see the tone of, of Barnes' comments, but I went back and rewatched his introductory press conference at Tennessee earlier this week, and uh, I, I didn't see anything, you know, about Texas or any comments or any off the wall stuff there. But what I watched and what kind of stuck with me was when he was talking about, and I'm sure you remember this. Um, you were probably there that growing up, you know, his wife went to Tennessee, and he was talking about or his future wife. And he was talking about making that trip to Tennessee and going to a football game and seeing Condridge Holloway play and then getting to meet him um, the day that he took the Tennessee job and just how much Tennessee meant to him before he ever coached here. I mean, he grew up in North Carolina, but he grew up not that far from Tennessee. Um, it, it was a special place to him, and you could hear it in his voice. You know, you know it wasn't like – some of the other coaches that talk about how much they've admired Tennessee from a distance. I mean, even Josh Heupel, I believe that Josh Heupel loves Tennessee and everything associated with it, but you could tell Tennessee meant something to Rick Barnes way before he was a head coach. And that, uh, it just kind of stuck with me this week. And as they were going through the loss on Saturday night, I kept thinking back about that, like, man, you know, you want to get frustrated and you are because you're paying this guy $5 million, but at the same time, 
you know that that he, it means something to him. It, it it makes it a little tougher to be critical, but I'll still be critical. There's <laughs> I still still have it in me. I mean, it's it's why I don't think that I will ever be in favor of firing no. Rick, Rick Barnes. He just let, nobody, it, let him leave on his own terms. He he's done. He already in this time that he's been here done enough to, in my opinion, deserve that. But also because I think this will just his age, age wise, this is probably his last job. Yeah. Um, and and to just allow that if worse comes to worst. Um, and, well, and I don't think he's the type that's going to want to taint his uh, legacy either. by you know suddenly Tennessee can't make the tournament right now. Tennessee's not where you want them to be based on the talent they have that I, you know, they're probably going to be done in the first weekend of the tournament. If we're being honest, just based on kind of what we've seen this season, just the inconsistencies and the offense just disappearing for stretches at a time. I mean, they had to go on a what 16 0 run Saturday night to finish yep. with 50 points in the final six minutes of the game. I mean, that is unbelievable, and that would get you kicked out of the NCAA tournament on day one. Um, so it, it's, but at the same time, the, the program's steady. Like he can coach as long as he wants to at this rate, and the program might not progress, but it's not going to go rapidly downhill, and the next person's going to inherit a mess. Like it's, it's fine. It's reaching, I think this season is truly reaching a Mark Richt style situation where you go. We're not going to fire the guy for making the tournament every year. You know, that's you would be foolish to do that. But you might look at the situation and go, there's a lot of really great young coaches out here, including guys that have worked for Rick Barnes. Um, and it might be time for a reevaluation. If again, this is all if worse becomes worst this season. And you have to have those conversations. We've we've in the last few episodes, uh, we we hashed all of that out in terms of just the general feeling on Barnes. Um, but they, man, it's tough. It's so conflicting because, yeah, great great representative of the university. The university clearly means something to him. It's a place where I believe he does truly like to be. Even if he did flirt with UCLA and all that stuff beyond flirted essentially said he would have left <laughs> if he was paid um it's still one of the worst comments he's ever made oh uh, yeah that was out of pocket man we we really don't i mean we bring it up often on here yeah. uh but he said it he said it he deserves to have it be brought up he, he said it not he me doesn't, <laughs> he, he doesn't get the butch jones treatment with some of butch's comments that just are kind of synonymous with butch like when you talk about butch you can't help but bring up some of the the five-star hearts and 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 life champions like that stuff gets brought up automatically you know rick he he doesn't get hit with it too much not as not as much as he would probably if they were you know a 500 team or something no and and it is to just finish that point it is just so conflicting because you just look you have a team with the number one point guard in america on the roster you have a team with a really good point guard in Santiago Vescovi. He's honestly, he's your best player right now. Santiago Vescovi's having the best stretch of basketball of his entire career right now. Um, you have a kid who's getting better in Euros Plavšić, and you have all of these elements where you look and you go, why is this team not better? And that's the tough thing. 
John Fulkerson, nowhere to be found. Totally fallen off a cliff. Is it COVID? Is it he's just gone? He had a bad season last season, and it's gotten worse. How is this happening? And you I get don't. guys, jo- Josiah Jordan James, just not meeting his, was useful in that game, hit yeah. some big shots, but is just not, came in as a bona fide five-star and has not lived up to that billing. And he, I, I've said it before, Rick is a, is a very good player developer. He has taken a bunch of guys with lower ratings and made them better. You, I mentioned Euros Plavchis just a second ago. Zakai Ziggler, no name, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, brings this kid in, and he's absolutely electric. Love him. But it's the, it's the putting it all together, putting five guys out on the floor that are going to win you a basketball game. That's where he struggles. He's not a great in-game coach. He never has been is what ended up getting him fired at Texas. He he had Kevin Durant, and I believe only made it to the second round uh, of the NCAA tournament. Like, there's just been some stuff like that where you just go, it's who, it's who this guy is at this point. And I think this Texas game, it could not have been more case in point. They played incredible defense, mm-hmm. incredible defense, and could not get out of their own way on the offensive end. I believe I... I was sort of keeping track of it, um, scored three points in the first 10 minutes of the second half, something like first eight to 10 minutes of the second half. I'd have to go back and check exactly what it was. Three points in eight, nine, 10 minutes. What are we doing? Like Texas, Chris Beard builds his teams on defense too, similarly to Barnes, but dude, Three points in 10 minutes? What? No. You you will not win a basketball game that way. And like you said, they had to go on a 16-0 run to reach 50 points. No, I, that's you. That cannot happen. And so we're left in this lurch where you go, love this guy. Amazing representative for the university. He wants to be here, and, and frankly, we want him here. But... What, what is, how does, how does this, where, where does this culminate is, is the question that is quickly approaching, you know, the end of the season is nearing and, and I don't, you know, I don't think there's any way anything happens after this year. No, not, not as long as unless they just fall apart and don't make the tournament. Yeah. I think, I think the only thing, the only thing that would happen in my mind is if he looks and goes, I'm leaving on, on my terms. Yeah. This is it. They're too talented. I mean, this, this is a, a team that were if they if they weren't very talented and they were I mean, this is a NCAA tournament team. This is a team that's talented enough to go to the Final Four. Uh, they yes. definitely are, but the 100%. way they play, like I, I don't expect that at all. Um, I'll tell you the you. How did you feel about? And it's been talked about a lot. The the Kennedy Chandler deal. I mean, he was not on the floor really for key parts of the game against Texas. He wasn't on the floor for the final play of the game. It's like Zakai Ziegler, who who you got to love. Um, he's turned into a really hustle player that fans are getting behind. He has just the vibe of one of those players that fans are going to love because he's probably going to be there for four years. So he's yeah, he's going to be endeared. Um, but that's so like Kennedy Chandler's probably your most talented player on the team or right there at it. And when he first started the season, I mean, it was like, okay, this guy's as advertised. And 
it's just it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what's happening with that situation. So I've seen some speculation, and I've thought this myself. I've seen some speculation among fans who just see that situation where at, at the end of that game on the final possession where Tennessee is going down, down one with a chance to hit the game-winning shot, Rick puts the ball in Zakai Ziegler's hands, a no-name three-star that he just pulled out of, I believe, Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, yeah. Nobody had heard of that guy. And he has true freshmen, just like Casey. Mm-hmm. And he has the ball in his hands on that final possession and not your bona fide five-star number one point guard in America. And people were talking about that on Twitter. And I've seen this in games past too. People kind of speculating like, is Rick's coaching driving a wedge there with Chandler in that Rick, Rick creates kind of fear in his guys where if you screw up, I'm pulling you. You're done. I got a rotation of 10 guys. And if you're not getting it done, we got another one lined right up. And he does. He, you, you can notice it in a game. He cycles through guys constantly in, in a lot of games. Unless a, unless a lineup is just really working. He cycles through so many guys. And is it getting to Chandler's head? Because some players love Grant Williams ate up Rick Barnes coaching. It was the perfect puzzle piece fit with Rick Barnes. I, I mean, I remember talking to Grant Williams after a game when, when I was still covering the team and I asked Grant, like when Rick calls you out after a game and says, you didn't play well, like what, it, what do you think of that as a player? Something along those lines that I asked. And I remember Grant going, it, it makes me a better player. I, I take it and I get, and I take his criticism. I get better. Like he just, he had that mentality where he wanted to accept that criticism and really go and and excel. Grant Grant is a one in a, a million type of player. I mean, a generational. No team is going to see a guy like that more than once, twice, three times in twenty years. If you're one of the top programs, like he just is that dude. He's that dude. I think Kennedy Chandler has the talent to be that dude, but there's so much between the ears. He's a freshman told his entire career he's an absolute star and you come in you're getting beaten down by a veteran coach who really coaches from a standpoint of i've been there done that listen to what i'm gonna do my way or the highway kind of a thing maybe there is friction there or it just maybe there's not friction and it's just not working for kennedy channel i don't know anything and everything in this in what i'm saying here is speculation about chandler but I've seen people, and I have been included in this set of people, just speculating, like, what, what is going on there? You, it's the the, the number. Look at, I, and I, I'll say of Cal Perry, this season with Kentucky. In past years, that guy has struggled when these five star players come in. They can be just unruly, and you just they're hard to get centered and focused and playing the way that that they're capable of playing. And it bites him in the butt a lot. You know, Frick Barnes has a winning record against John Calipari at Tennessee and has won more times at Rupp Arena than any other active coach. Like, it's, it just, it, Calipari has struggled with that, even though that's his MO this season. Whatever it is, he's made it work. They, they have more transfer players. Maybe that's it. They have more senior guys on the team. I don't know. But you just look and you go, well, it's working. It's working at Kentucky. It's working at Duke. Paolo Banchero looks like a monster. 
It's working at these other places. What's what's happening here? Number one point guard in America. What's happening here? Huh? Why? Why is this not not working out? Because the talent is there. We've seen it. What's happening? I mean, to to be totally fair though to Chandler, as I'm I was just sitting here looking at his stats because I hadn't I don't really you know look at his numbers all that often. If you take away the context of him being a, a five star point guard, he's averaging 13 points and, and five assists as a true freshman. That's you know that's not like superstar national player of the year type numbers, but that's we see a lot of times freshmen come in and they barely make an impact at all and they're they're highly rated players yeah so it's it's not like he's playing bad i mean maybe this is just hey he's a freshman and just because he's a five-star you know doesn't mean that he's gonna come in here and, and light it up from day one especially with the style of basketball that rick barnes you know plays which there really is no seems like there is no offensive style uh <laughs> that tennessee's playing they're just yes they're trying to space the floor and I don't know. It's it's painful to watch at times because it doesn't allow them to get in a rhythm at all. It seems like, and it does. It's really not a great fit for for Chandler's skill set, to be honest. No. Um, you I know, think maybe that's he, a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, but the, the, also, you wonder then. Okay, in recruiting, he's landed some of these five star guys. Well, they haven't really played to a five star level. Is that going to hinder Tennessee from getting those players in the future? Because you still need talent. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in, like you alluded to, you, you've got to have those five-star guys, but you can't have a team made up of that. You've got to have veterans. You've got to have some older senior leadership. I think some of the best college basketball teams are, are the ones that are able to blend that. So it, you're not going to win a national championship based on three-star talent that's all fifth-year returning seniors. or that. Nah, you got to have talented players. But like I said, does this hurt – Rick Barnes from a recruiting standpoint, you know, unless Kennedy Chandler is like a top five, 10 pick, which I don't know what kind of NBA draft projections are out there right now or how he's being viewed. I'm sure he'll be one and done. I mean, that's his plan. He's dropped down draft boards. I, I know that because he was considered a lottery pick at the beginning. And then last I looked a couple of weeks ago, he was 18th overall, mm. which you would still leave if you're yeah. going to go 18th yeah. overall. Um, I don't know what he's thinking, what those plans look like, but you just look last season. I mean, you had two guys that honestly have lower ceilings than Kennedy Chandler does, and they both hopped to the NBA. So uh, it is just hard to watch a roster like this to whatever extent gets squandered. You're going to make the tournament awesome. You're gonna beat teams like Florida. You're gonna beat teams like South Carolina. You're gonna you're gonna beat Kentucky. Uh, you know, usually when you're at home, maybe sometimes when you're at Rupp Arena. But at the end of the day, that's not what people remember, and what coaching at this level is really based on. It's all about postseason, playing right at the right time, having guys that have that kind of stamina that can make it to the end of season, be playing their best ball at the end of the year, and. And it just isn't there with with Rick. Maybe he pulls a rabbit out of the hat this year. I do not know. I am not a psychic and can tell the future. But it it just is. It's tough to watch. I think that the style of play exacerbates a lot of this talk. 
because it just is painful <laughs> to watch. That game was torture. I mean, what do you? What else are you supposed to say? You scored. What did I say? Three points in eight or nine minutes. That's torture. That sucks. You know, and and they still had a chance to win it at the end at Texas on the road at Texas, a talented team with a really good coach who's who's played who's coached in a Final Four before. But man, I think that exacerbates a lot of it. There, there's layers there with with this whole situation. You can unpack it all you want, but well, man alive, I I just just please, Rick, just win, just win, baby, just well, win. We're all rooting for you. Speaking of that last play, I mean, we we've got to dive oh, yeah. into that a little yeah. bit. What what was your take? Because look, there was a lot of Tennessee basketball savants uh, on Twitter after the game. Uh, Everybody had an opinion. Me what I, yeah. I should think, what I, what I thought was wrong. A lot of people that I'm I'm assuming, based on their tweets, I feel like this is a good assumption. They were probably high-level assistant college basketball coaches, maybe NBA assistants at some point. Um, now they're just Tennessee fans on Twitter. I don't know what happened along the way, but there's a people there that apparently have <laughs> a, lot, in a lot of basketball <laughs> knowledge, and they're not afraid to share it and tell you why you're wrong. I mean, I felt like it was six point whatever six point two seconds left. I think you've got you've got a lot of time. I've watched. Uh, Chris Duhon for Duke years ago, go coast to coast in like three, four, four seconds or something unreal. I mean, it's you can get from one end to the other in, in three or four seconds. And then you've got kind of two seconds there to figure out what you're going to do. You only need one point to tie, two to win. You know, my thought is they're going to go to the rim and try to draw a foul, you know, at the very worst. I mean, that's how I feel. I agreed with. Fran Freshilla that the little hook and ladder type play would probably be the best way to inbound it. I think everybody pretty much felt that that was the go-to it's what they play did. in that in yep. situation. And maybe, based on what we saw, maybe the plan was for Ziegler to try to go to the rim and then he had options if it wasn't there. And Texas did kind of take away the paint. So the, you know, James was open on the wing. Then you got Viscovi in the corner that could have crashed in, you know, from the towards the baseline there and maybe had an open jumper or he takes the three. I don't know. But if that's your plan, one, why is, why is Kennedy Chandler not the one driving to the lane there? I mean, that's the guy that's going to probably have the best chance of scoring going to the basket. Ziegler's nine, He's, I don't know. It's not the guy that you would want in that situation. He's, he's listen, he's been playing great. I love the kid. Uh, I love his attitude. He's got this moxie about him but that's not who should have the ball in that situation and i felt like there was just a lot of people out there like you don't know what you're talking about this was a perfect design play they got an open look i'm like but it wasn't the right look exactly it was my problem with it so yes that play was perfectly executed uh i think it it was kind of similar it wasn't exactly the same but kind of similar to the play that uh, Villanova ran when they won their national championship, uh, the it's Chris, what was it? Chris Jenkins hit that that three at the end, and it was pre- it was just a similar setup. Yeah, like you said, they sort of ran that hook and ladder. They hand it off to Ziggler. He goes into the lane, draws the defense in towards him, then dishes it out for a wide open. 
Josiah Jordan James, he was, he could not have been more open. It was, didn't have a guy within three feet of him. For what that is, perfectly drawn up, perfectly executed, and the kid didn't hit the shot. I just know watching, a lot of people went, well, he was wide open. Yes. Being wide open doesn't make that a high percentage shot. Is it, yeah. That was my point. Mine's, yeah. A, a historical 26% three-point shooter in Josiah Jordan James is not the guy I'm giving the ball to. In that spot, he had he had made a couple of threes leading up to that. Maybe they're thinking, oh, he has the hot hand. Whatever the rationalization was there, fine. Vescovi, historically a better three-point shooter. Kennedy Chandler, a better three-point shooter. Zakai Ziegler, a better three-point shooter historically. You got three guys right there that just draw the same play up, but give it to that guy. I said Vescovi just because he's playing so well right now. He, was, he wasn't playing well in that game, but you just... Trust history. Trust the numbers, what they are. Um, what I would have done, again, everybody, this was, everybody thought that they had the right answer. So I know it's, a lot of people aren't going to agree with this. I can just tell you what I, I personally, I'm going for the highest percentage shot possible. And to me, that would have been driving to the hoop and specifically probably driving with Santiago Vescovi because if you drive, if you force the issue as a Kaiser, because a lot of people, they said, oh, well, the lane was jammed. That's the point. Of course, they're going to jam the lane and not let you go to the hoop when they're up by one right at the end of the game. Of course. But you drive in and one of two things hopefully happens. You go up strong. You take it as strong as you can. And they either are afraid to foul and you're able to actually put a shot up uh, or they don't let you put a shot up and you get fouled and refs. You've seen historically in college basketball, refs are not afraid to call a foul in that situation and insert themselves into the game. They did it on the previous. Oh, no, 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 no. They did it right before with ticky tack BS, you know, just right before then. You don't think that they might have been happy to give you one, too, you know. And so you you force the issue. I would have done it with Santiago Vesco because he's a little taller. I think you a a ref might see Zakai Ziegler because he's so short, might see him take it in and get stuffed and go like, oh, it's just a block. He's, he's really short. Mm-hmm. The guy just, just blocked him. Where with Vescovi, you could force the issue more. He's a little bit taller. He probably, just more experienced too. He could probably get a half-decent shot up, probably gets fouled. And it just is a higher percentage play than giving the ball to a wide-open, but historically 26% three-point shooter. Um, so, that, I mean, that's my take on it. He was wide open. It was the shot. He hits that. None of us are complaining. Um, it's, it's one of those, you see it a lot in games, like a guy will put up a kind of ill-advised three and when they put it up, you go, oh, and then they make it you go, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Not great, but he made it. So, and that's all, that's all that really matters. I'm not going to squabble with it. It was drawn up. Well, they executed it correctly. It's not what I would have done. And I'm not claiming to be any kind of, I played basketball. They're a big chunk of my life and. And I still dork out about basketball strategy, clearly. I mean, just look, I'm sure people who aren't huge basketball heads are loving this talk where we're, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, where we're <laughs> point by point breaking down basketball strategy. But I, and I claim to be nothing more than that. But that it's not, it's not what I, I would have, I mean, 
I sent you that clip I just yesterday where it looked like Olivier was trying to call timeout as they cross midcourt. It's a lot of weird about that. That that to me, I don't I don't know the explanation on that. Is, is he doing that on his own? Was Looked like the ref was looking him right in the face when yeah. he did it. I don't know. Did well, I don't know. Have, did Tennessee have timeouts left at that point? I th- I'd have to go back and look. I mean, be, I mean, I think so because if they didn't, then you know you've, you he actually saved us. He saved Chris us from a technical situation. Foul. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, I thought that would have been kind of a. I would have liked that, you know, go set up from half court and try to get somebody come off of a, a screen away from the ball or something for a, a closer shot, a higher percentage shot. I would have liked that move. But you know, that shot goes in and everybody's loving it. You know, yeah. So it it, it is tough. I did it. it it's the, the, hard to criticize too much. I I think the Kennedy Chandler not having him in is my biggest gripe with that. And Barnes said he just liked the rhythm that that group was in, which I can see. You've been on a 16-0 run. You, you're you've closed the gap. I, I get it. You don't you you don't want to mess with rhythm. And historically, that's what he likes to do. I mean, some people were even surprised he called a timeout. In that situation. Tennessee did have did have a timeout. Yeah, okay, went back and looked. So that you know that that would have been what I probably would have done. Advance the ball past midcourt, set something else up better. You still got three or four seconds to to work something there out of a half court set which which i, mean, I think it, they'd be better at it, it was it was also perfect in that if if triple j there gets the ball and quickly dishes it immediately to vescovi he had a lane right to the hoop i mean maybe that was the plan too but he just couldn't pass up such an open shot he was wide open and I, you know and you can criticize all day long it's bang bang it is and and you just very easy on the couch to yeah. watch the clock and say, what are you doing? I think about that every time I see somebody managing the clock because it's so much different when you've been, uh, when you're like at a game. I've never played in a, a game like that, but especially like in football, it's easy to, to criticize it, but it's very hard to to be aware of where the clock is and exactly what's happening on TV. It's right there. It's all you can see. So in yeah. the court, you're playing the game. Like you're actively trying to execute and also keep track of time so i understand it's it's kind of tough there yeah you you feel the panic you don't have you don't have the time to look up and be like oh there's 2.5 seconds left i'll pass the ball yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you're just thinking i gotta get this this ball up yeah to make sure we get a chance uh yeah would have could have should all day long tennessee should have scored more points in that basketball game and you win the game Th- yeah, that's, neither, that's the bottom line you should have scored played, more neither team played great no I, it was two good defenses just facing off and and Tennessee played phenomenal defense that whole game, really clamped down and just couldn't throw a pee in the ocean. Just couldn't do it. And that painful watch. And so we move on. You got Texas A&M coming up at home. Game you should win. It's not going to be easy. I've seen Texas A&M does play tough. I'll put them in a similar category to like Mississippi State, Ole Miss, kind of in the bottom third of the league probably. But We'll see what happens there uh, and just keep not not going to have any serious combos about the future. Rick Barnes till that actually till that train actually comes by. But um, we I can't I, I meant to say this at the beginning where I was talking about, you know, just pain being a Tennessee fan. So it was a lady Vols followed by the, the men at Texas uh, blowing it right there at the end. Then the Bengals make the Super Bowl 
Of of course. Of course. The Tennessee Titans play the Miracle Boys and play the Miracle Boys and sack the Miracle Boy nine times and lose. Mind you, outplay the Miracle Boys and lose, which the Chiefs also did. Outplayed them in that first half for sure yeah. and then blew it. Of course, that's who we had to play, right? That's Tennessee sports, man. It just kick you while you're down. The pain, the pain. What did Dr. Vol on Twitter? He sent us uh, no. <laughs> that screen cap. The, the when will the pain ever end? <laughs> it doesn't seem like it ever will. Um, no, I mean, but you know what makes it even worse is that the Titans have what had a winning record five, six years in a row. Six at years at this point, yeah. yeah. The Beatles were two and fourteen two years ago. <laughs> two and fourteen, and oh. just a complete laughing. They still have a terrible offensive line, like you kind of mentioned there, which they did. They did play a little better against the Chiefs. Uh, Tennessee did. has the better pass rush, so that was expected that Tennessee was going to give you know Cincinnati's offensive line troubles, despite Quentin Spain wanting to talk trash <laughs> about giving up nonsense to the Titans, but. I, um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Joe Burrow is, he's a dude. He is. And, and it's it. not just the thing about Burrow and it's what, it's what makes a, like you have elite quarterbacks and you have like really special quarterbacks. And I think Joe Burrow is trending in that direction because what, what has made him good is just the fact that he's elevated the play of everyone around him it seems yeah. like he makes people better because he's not the most physically gifted quarterback he doesn't have the best arm i've seen more accurate passers i mean he's accurate enough he has he has he's accurate he's a good quarterback but he's not he's not gonna wow you with his physical abilities he's not the fastest guy he can run he can run enough to get a first down and make and you know frustrate you but he's not a burner he's he's just it's it's the competitiveness. I mean, it is really like a a Tom Brady like attitude that he seems to have brought to the Bengals. If you can turn the it's, Bengals into a winner, you're doing yeah. something pretty special. I mean, it's that element that makes me just so deeply ill about the Titans' loss is because we killed him. I mean, yeah, he was on his butt fifty percent of that game. He didn't play well against us, but he did enough. Well, and, enough. Yeah, and that's and that's all that counted. And you know, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill helped them out enough, immensely. Yeah. We're we, you know we're going on the game winning drive, and he throws a, an, an interception. Yeah. We should have we should have won that game, but like Titans lost the game. The Bengals didn't necessarily win it. it exactly, but, but then the Bengals went to Arrowhead and they won that game. And yeah. he's oh, yeah. he's a baller, and he's he's going to be. So a lot of people making Brady comparisons, like you you just did. I maybe. He hits me more like an Aaron Rodgers. Like he's he's gonna be in that upper echelon, but to be anybody making Brady comparisons. Well, yeah, he's you not. Think he's gonna I, win I don't, six Super no, Bowls. Yeah, Are we making that kind of assumption right now? Like, no, I don't think he's on. gonna be. I don't think anybody. I don't, I don't think we'll yeah, ever see that again. Not, not in this era of football. But I think his style of play is more the way he leads. Um, just his demeanor is more Brady like. Because that's, I mean, yeah. I, I think Aaron Rodgers is from a physical quarterback standpoint. I think Aaron Rodgers is more impressive than Tom Brady. I think 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes is more impressive, just the things he's able to do. There are a lot of quarterbacks, I think, physically over the years have been more impressive than Brady. Brady just has that ultra Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant-like competitiveness where it's like, I'm going to win. We're going to find a way. And I feel like Burrow has that kind of dynamic going on where we kind of saw it at LSU. He has this – Yeah, I saw where somebody uh, tweeted – that he uh, he told this reporter that he believes that he could go in an NBA game right now and score 12, or 15, 12 points, 15 points, something like that. And he he, you know, he was like an all-state basketball player in Ohio. He was. Almost like, you know, he's a really good basketball player. Probably could have been like a mid-major college basketball player. They said he said this with a straight face. <laughs> and the, the reporter <laughs> said, like, anybody that has that kind of just nonsensical confidence where it just doesn't even, like, you You're not even living in planet Earth. Like, there's something about that. Like, he has no doubts about himself. Like, he's not going to doubt himself. It's he like, might lose, but he's not going to lose because he didn't believe in himself type thing. It's like me with my flaming hot takes about the Titans. You just exude that confidence. <laughs> yeah. People can tell you that you are wrong. It doesn't matter. Because you know who said it? Me. And because I said it, it's right. That's that's not well. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, you will be right about like. Eventually, Mike Vrabel will be fired at some point. I don't that, know what'll happen or why or how that goes down. If he sticks with Todd Downing, it might be dude, a lot sooner than he anticipates. Dude, we can add this into the Tennessee sports pain part of this show. You're not going to fire Todd Downing, yeah, Mike Vrabel. That's who. That's who you're rolling with. You're going to stake your career. On a guy who already got fired with the Oakland Raiders, you're gonna go with with that. I could, you could convince me with sticking with Ryan Tannehill. I, I actually said it. it was kind of funny last night watching the 49ers play. The offensive coordinator for the 49ers makes diamonds out of coal. Jimmy G sucks. He doesn't have a running back, so he uses Debo Samuel in every position on the offense. Debo Samuel might as well also play offensive line because he's everywhere else out there. <laughs> like they just they scheme it up in a way where he takes a very inferior set of players and they almost beat the Rams last night. A team that on the whole has a far more talented and, and balanced roster than the 49ers do. And and I actually uh, I was saying it to another um, another guy from A to Z, uh, uh, Jack Gentry. Oh yeah. Um, I, I he tweeted something about it and I was like, yeah, man, I like you put this guy with our offense this year and you're probably playing for a Super Bowl. Like if if not, if you unless you get out dueled by Patrick Mahomes or something like that, but you would have beaten the Bengals. I could say that much because yeah, Todd yeah. Downing put Tannehill in situations where you I've, I've already said, go watch some of the film breakdown of the interceptions for Tannehill. He was put in horrible spots by his terrible offensive coordinator. The guy is garbage. He's been garbage everywhere he's been. And my real apparently going to keep him. I, I don't get it. It's going to be, it, you know, it's going to be his, his grave next year, whatever. But, uh, you know, you do wonder how you do wonder how variable is to work with at some point where he, maybe he, is he hard to work with? I mean, you saw Dean Pease like retire only to go <laughs> join another. Again. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not the case at all, but so I, I get... th this is a point about coaching culture in a macro sense. I would say 
you hear about Rabel that he is a get there at 6 a.m. Don't leave till 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Devote this is your life. You the know, you heard of like Bruce Arians. Yes, exactly. Who you know, you, you get a guy like that where guys just want to be his assistant coach for forever because the, you know it just easier to work. Like Josh Heupel didn't have anybody leave his staff this year. I think that says something about how amicable he is as a boss. Like nobody is staying around that long. There's a hundred different opportunities that you could go take if you had been a, a position coach at Tennessee. You could well, probably go out came and find after. Job. I mean, hey, Lane Kiffin tried to swipe the offensive coordinator. Exactly. You could absolutely go find another spot, but they're staying with Hypo because he's he's an easier guy to work with. You uh, with Rabel, you got to like where you work. I mean, yeah, exa- exactly. That's it's something to everybody. I mean, I've had my uh, I I've had uh, family members just recently uh, do that. They just didn't like the work environment that they, without getting too specific. Um, it just leave leave a job because they were like, this is just not. This is not who I want to work with. Like that's it's a typical thing, and so it makes total sense. Okay, these guys do make five hundred thousand dollars doing what they're doing, but they can go make five hundred thousand dollars for a guy that's not going to beat him into the ground, you know. And and so you hear that about Vrabel that he is one of those guys that it's it's that Belichick mentality. You show up, and when I tell you to show up, and he's he is a players coach. The players absolutely love him, but here's the thing: I don't care if the players like him. I don't. I want to win a Super Bowl. I pay for the merch. I pay for the tickets. I watch the games. I devote my life to this team. I don't care if the players like the coach win a Super Bowl. That's what, you know, and I I feel like so many of the analysts, they get lost in the sauce. Like the guys that cover the team every day, they think they have, because I did this. I did this with Tennessee. You get, you get lost in the fact that you see it every day and you go, well, he's, he, what I, when I talk to him, he is, no, 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 no. Fans of Tennessee want a national championship. Fans of the Titans want a Super Bowl. Fans of the Braves want a World Series. They don't care about any of that. You can report on it, and we'll talk, and we'll listen, and we'll read about it, and whatever. At the end of the day, I don't care about any of that. I want to win that that game. If if they're a tyrant like Saban, and we're winning a national championship, amazing. If they're super amicable like Josh Heupel, and we're winning a national championship, amazing. I don't care. I just want that that win, and that that's what it just doesn't that, like. Guys, guys say that as if that's a reason that we need to keep. Well, the players like him. Oh, so we can't get rid of a guy that the players like. So, and I'm not that's saying yeah, I'm not saying fire. Is. I'm not saying fire Vrabel. I am saying Vrabel <laughs> seems to be digging his own grave by keeping Todd Downing. But like, I don't care. Win a Super Bowl, and you know what you did this year? Not that you lost in the first round to a team that you had uh, down on the mat at the end there. So that's all I know. What do you think Anywho. of? I mean, talking about Vrabel's personality, what do you think about him being so contentious with the media members at times? Because it he gets, clown pretty, he gets pretty snappy over some questions that I don't think are that unrealistic at all. Win some first. That's that's yeah. what I I think. And th- and now this. Again, trying to be self-reflective. This comes from a place of I used to be in media, and it's annoying when a coach is contentious like that because you're just asking like a sort of run-in-the-mill question. Yeah. And and sometimes they'll snap off on you. And you go, listen, buddy, you haven't won anything. You're not Nick Saban. Don't talk down to me. 
yeah, okay, you get the million dollar paycheck, but I get a paycheck to ask you questions. So don't do this. I don't like, know if you uh if you were following along when Austin Stanley that I think it was Austin that, you know, co owns A to Z. He was like standing in the wrong place on the practice field. This is like before COVID stuff. He was like standing in the wrong place on the practice field and Vrabel just like ripped his head off. Like like just what? yeah, I don't know where he apologized to him in the press conference like that that day or the next day i'll have to go back and look i'll text it to you if i if i can find it all but yeah he was very like he does that kind of stuff paul kaharski he's anytime paul which i know paul can can kind of be uh, you know kind of combative at times but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah feels like anytime he asks your question and sometimes they're they're pretty good questions I, i mean there was one recently i can't remember exactly what it was but i was like that's not a unreasonable question at all I mean, it's not attacking anyone. It's not trying to get like a BS quote out of Vrabel. But then he makes it something because he, he you know, he jumps all over him. I think it, it ended up being a clip that was where he just walked off or he's like, I'm done with this BS or something where he, he walked off the podium. So you, uh, I don't get it. What, what are you doing? Um, maybe you are trying to be Belichick, but he doesn't. It's just not natural. It's not because it, it's it's what happened with, I specifically think of Jeremy Pruitt. At Tennessee, he had the whole, he was trying to be Nick Saban. You're not Nick Saban. Win something first. And like everybody in, in all of this have been, I'm, I'm over, I will am overly critical of Mike Rabel. I know I am fine, but everybody hangs their hat on. We went to the AFC championship game. We went to the AFC championship game. What have you done for me lately? Cause all you've done for me lately is lose two, two playoff games. That's all you've done. I mean, Mark Sanchez with the two AFC championship games, so. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? That's great that he did that. You know who else has done that? Zach Taylor has done that. Zach Taylor made it to the Super Bowl. You know who else has done that? Sean McVay. Sean McVay has made it to two Super Bowls. Like, and and they're young, and they're right there with you, I would say, in that same class. And you know who's done more? Both of those guys. So don't, I, I get, I this makes me so, like, pe- people who are like, we shouldn't hold this guy that makes millions and millions of dollars off of our dime, off of the fans' dime. He's making millions and millions of dollars off of your back. You pay for the ticket. You know, you're the season ticket holder who goes to the game. Hold this guy accountable. Don't let him go into the press conference and get asked a serious question that would hold him accountable and let him pop off like a clown. That's that's so annoying to me. And I and I think it does come from I was I was already saying it, it comes from having covered sports up close where you see and you see these coaches and you go this is a person this is just a guy this is not he's not better than you he's not anything special he just makes more money than you do and you know what you can say to that is kiss my butt i do not care that you make more money than i do you like like i said at the end of the day we're all paying that paycheck because we're fans of the team if there were no fans of the team there wouldn't be a team so i i get very up in arms about that, as you can probably tell. Um, and it does, and it comes from having covered Tennessee and specifically from having to cover Butch freaking Jones, who was the highest order of douchebag. Yeah. Let me uh, educate you. Oh God. Shoot me in the face. I remember he, did he do that to, was it Patrick Brown or something I, where I he th- may probably, I remember him in, Seth Stokes had a 
had oh, some yeah. issue, quite a few issues together. It seemed like very often. It might have been Patrick Brown. I can't remember that that the educate or how this works or something like that. I believe didn't was it Seth who asked the question that led to the fell on a helmet? Um, oh, it might have been diatribe. I I don't I don't remember exactly. But that is one of the just taking a step back. That is, I forgot about this and it, I was looking for something on Twitter and it popped up somehow where I had tweeted the video. One of the wildest things about that 2017 season and right before Butch was fired, I mean, it's so many things that pop up that you forget that happened in that season was when that had happened. Um, that that week on college game day with Reese Davis, he was talking about the Tennessee situation. And talking about Shot Tuttle being hurt, and he referenced, you know, everybody knew what happened with Nigel Warrior and all that, but it was never really acknowledged. But he referenced the incident using the word shy and the word warrior in his commentary without specifically talking about those players. It was it was kind of bizarre television there for a little bit. Everything about um, that whole that whole time period is so it was a fever dream. Yeah. From, oh, when everything 100%. started. When it started to unravel with Butch, we probably after said they it, lost after they lost to Florida on that that last second pass. Was it was it Felipe? Was it Felipe Franks? No, in twenty seventeen. Whenever oh in twenty twenty seven like the hell the hell Mary. Well, it was kind of yeah that was twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah, that's when it was. It was coming to a close. Yep. When, when that happened, and then I think they like barely beat UMass. It was like okay. This is done. And from there on, it was just full speed ahead. Just I'll, craziness. I'll always remember was watching that 2017 uh, game. I, I wasn't. Well, yeah, it was at Florida. It was at Florida. Yeah, That's yeah. why I wasn't there. I was like, why wasn't I there? It was at Florida. That's right. Um, that 2017 game. And I was watching it with a good friend of mine who is a Florida fan. And then some other Tennessee fans. And they made that pass. Friend who's a Florida fans freaking out. And I turned to the other folks there that were Tennessee fans like me. And I went, you'll be happy. You'll be happy that this happened. Because if he beats Florida here, this guy's going to be your coach for another probably at least one year, if not two. You'll be happy that, that, that they won that one. <laughs> and ultimately, if they would have made a better hire than Jeremy Pruitt, that would have been the case. But you know, but Butch was just the worst. The, the cannot express enough. His how media, annoying. his media uh, appearances that year just became increasingly more contentious, awkward. Uh, he was very just. He, he was on edge the whole time, and but he was also still trying to convince everybody that he was still like he still knew knew what he was doing, even though I mean. Th- the previous offseason, I believe he was he was trying to look for a way out, right? I mean, he kind of kind of backdoor tried to backdoor his way into like Purdue, maybe. It seems like he yes. Would, he knew he was trying to get ahead right. of it. Like he knew what was coming, especially with Josh Dobbs not gonna be there anymore. Like he, he knew that wasn't going to turn out well. But that time that he went on the radio, I think it was on one of four point five in Nashville, maybe, or, or the other station in Nashville. And said that the last like several years have been some of the best years in the last twenty years of Tennessee football. I thought, and this guy's officially lost it. I mean, does he not realize that Tennessee won champion national championships in that time frame that he was talking about? One, the SEC East several times. Uh, it's where it's so delusional that he thought he could convince people. 
that he I mean, had made this huge impact on Tennessee football. Kind of how I've been saying, you know, like media media guys can get lost in the sauce where you're, you know, you think from that, I'm I'm in the facility every day, blah, 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 blah. Coaches, there's no one more susceptible to that thinking than coaches and no one more susceptible to that thinking as a coach than Butch Jones was. I mean, that guy, you could have told him anything uh, of the, of the, you know, like fans could have gone down and protested in front of his office door and he would have been like, Oh, they're protesting. Cause they, they love me. Right. That's why that, Oh, that's why that's definitely why it's cause they love me. They, they want me around. Like he just was always, trying to be like, this is, he was the dog in the burning room meme. Just, this mm-hmm. is fine. This is fine. I, cause you, that stuff was going, it took a turn even in 2015. Cause I remember writing a column that went really relative to what we do, like really viral tens and tens of thousands of uh, reads where I was like, Tennessee deserves better than Butch Jones in 2015. In 2015, I was out on that guy, and a ton of people were eating it up. So it, and he won him back a little bit in 2016, then lost him at the Vanderbilt game in 2016, and then it was all just downhill from there. But, oh, that was a time. That was a time. Uh, and I even, it's actually funny, this week, uh, I wrote a column about, we can wrap it all, we can bring it all the way back around oh, full yeah. circle. Wrote a column for on A2ZSports.com uh, talking about how Todd Downing is the Butch Jones of Titans football. We all know he needs to be fired. We all know we all know this. But just like Tennessee with Butch Jones, you should have fired him in 2016 and Tennessee didn't. And then he drives the program directly into the ground into a flaming heap. Uh and you got to fire Todd Downing. Rabel. J Rob. John John Robinson for the uninitiated, the general manager. Wake up folks. Yeah, there's there's too many good young options out there. I go. mean, go go hire Joe Brady. I mean, the dude was sure. got got fired from Carolina, but that's because Matt Rule's an idiot and does, please didn't want you know Brady to run the show. He meddled in it and just didn't anyone let him do it. anyone who has an at least marginally creative thought in their head as far as offensive play calling goes, you'll be better than Todd Downing. I can rant all that all day. Um. We had another subject lined up, but honestly, let's save it because yeah. we're we're well in, over time. Um, that went all over the place. <sighs> Hopefully, things are better this week. Um, I will be if the Bengals win a Super Bowl. That will be cool. I will say, as bitter as I am, that I it just it's kind of like with the Braves. I was like, that's cool that they you know you get that moment. It's been so long. You're a tortured fan. They've gotten so close so many times before. It's cool. I'm but kinda, that's all I'm going to give you. I'm not I'm not happy for you per se. I'm too petty for that. What about what about Matt, cool. Matt Stafford? Even though even though he's a Georgia player, I feel like he paid his dues all those years <laughs> in Detroit. That's right? I saw some people I saw some people saying like, "Oh, we all got to root for the Bengals because Stafford's a Georgia guy." I was like, well, first of all, Burrow's an LSU guy. So yeah, once they get to the NFL, and that goes out the window 100%. Julio Jones I, is an Alabama guy. Derrick Henry is an Alabama guy. That's what I was going to say. Do you the think two, it matters? Yeah. Two of the best players on the team that I love went to the bane of my existence at, over at Alabama. Brian Tannehill went to Texas A&M. I do not care about that. Um, AJ Stafford, Brown's all this, yeah. 
Stafford got, yeah, Stafford got absolutely put through the ringer in Detroit. I'm going to feel bad for anybody who can, who has to be put through that. It's a and garbage franchise. And he clearly, he's an awesome quarterback. And yeah, I, I don't, again, <laughs> I'm too, I'm too petty to say, I'll be happy for you, but I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say that's a cool story. That's Hey, that's I, cool. Uh, uh, he beat staff a couple of times at Georgia, right? So you what, you went out a little bit there. Say that one more time. I said Tennessee beat. Did they did uh Tennessee beat Stafford a couple of times at Georgia? Yes, he he was the when Kiffin, I believe Stafford was the quarterback when Kiffin beat him down in 09. If I'm thinking correctly. No, no, he uh like he 06, 07, 08. Oh, okay, so he was he got drafted in 09. That's right, he got drafted yeah. in 09. That's right. Yep. So I thought that they beat Georgia in 06, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And probably so they did. Yeah. I yeah, mean, they were still know. in that sort of like marginal Mark Richt phase. That's that's when Mark Mark Richt was starting to fade. Yeah, they beat him in 06 and 07. So yeah. He was one and two against Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. You, you already go. beat him. You already yeah. beat him. Don't and you beat him when it actually mattered to that whole rivalry. Exactly. Ah. God, imagine being a professional. NFL quarterback, you're in the Super Bowl, but you had a losing record in college to Tennessee. <laughs> what are the odds of that right now? And not to That's rough. Yeah. That is rough. Uh well, he can get his this week. Congratulations to him. Cool. I would say it's a really cool story. Go look up with his his wife who had oh, to yeah. relearn how to walk and speak. That's insane. In in the last couple of years and then she yeah. had like a twelve-hour surgery. I think she had to like undergo. I mean, that's crazy. Was, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, there's that. I guess we, the Super Bowl will not have happened by the next. No, next it's two next. Weeks. Yeah. Um, no former Vols in the Super Bowl, so there's no no nope. interest that way. Yeah. That's that's rare. It is yeah, rare. It is. It, it would have been a, a decent amount had it gone the other way in both mm-hmm. of those games, but I think that is it. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Reagan. Any any parting thoughts for the good folks at home, Zach? No, I think that about uh, covers it this week. I think we fired about everybody that needs to be fired. So. <laughs> we should, we got to put the disclaimer on it. Nobody wants Rick Barnes fired. As of right now, I don't know that I want Vrabel fired, but he's skating on thin ice. Um, who else? I definitely don't want Kelly Harper fired. She, she, you still, hey, yeah. just rebound from that loss. We'll get there. Um that's that's basically everybody we we talked. Definitely don't want Josh Heupel fired. Don't want oh baseball's coming up. Yeah. Definitely don't want Tony Vitello fired. So see, we're only we're not that bad in terms of the firing talk this week. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. Thank you so much for listening to everybody, and thank you to everybody who watched uh, on the YouTube. Hopefully, we're gonna grow that uh, here soon. And now that we're posting it there, go watch it on YouTube, iTunes or Apple, or whatever it's called now, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere, fine podcasts are sold on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. And with all that out of the way, yeah, yeah that's that's all. I don't know, there's probably more I'm forgetting, but who, whatever. We'll get it next week. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Rankin. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.